Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome back to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, Melissa Freidenberg. We're not in the room together all that often on the show. So Melissa, welcome to the co-hosted podcast. Thank you. Yes. And it does feel, it's amazing how after a few years of everything being over Zoom, it does feel like we're in the room together, recording together, but this is as good as it gets for now. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Thank you for your loyalty and thank you for listening. We have some hot off the presses legislation to talk about today because there was a last minute um, passage of legislation in Congress signed by the White House at the end of last year called the SECURE Act 2.0. It was bundled into the omnibus bill that got passed that had a bunch of stuff, just to put it in context. Like this part of the legislation came in 1,500 pages into whatever the bill was. But it's going to affect all of us in some ways, I think, um, because it's all about what's going on with especially retirement and retirement accounts. And so we wanted to give you an update on that. Yeah. And I mean... As far as the timing, signed into legislation on December 29th in our industry, a lot of people are on vacation, a lot of people here focused on the holidays. So it came as a surprise to many and just a lot to dig into um, getting back into the new year. So we are doing our best, but do keep in mind, even though it was signed into legislation that everything is still being interpreted, there will probably be more legislation surrounding and clarifying So, you know, these are uh, what our interpretation, as well as some of the people in our industry who look at legislation, how it affects retirement plans are interpreting this bill at this time. So we wanted to really break it down in terms that you can understand and how it affects you and your retirement, but do be sure to contact your financial planner, your CPA before making any adjustments based on this podcast. For sure. And some things are in the legislation are immediate and some things are in the future in terms of when they'll become enforced as law. And so that's worth noting. And it there's a ton built in there. Some of it's very granular. So we're going over some of the broadest topics. We'll make sure to include a link to some more comprehensive reviews of the legislation. But just know that if you hear about something that's included in the bill, it, we may not necessarily be covering it today because there is so much. And we're trying to cover the things that are most impacted more of our listeners. I also think it's worth noting before we dive in that one of the only things that people in Washington can agree on is making updates and changes to retirement accounts. There have been so many, even over the last five years, if you look at the First Secure Act, the CARES Act, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, lots of changes, but it's one of the few places where there's bipartisan support for tinkering and adjustments. And I don't know, always know what the lawmakers think about the actual like efficiency of keeping track of things. We have a lot of different dates and times, and there's so many different numbers floating around. 
but it is just interesting if you're if you're ever looking for something that people can agree upon in Washington, it's updates to things like this, tinkering with retirement plans. It was interesting when I was sort of putting together stuff for this podcast today. It said that this bill is aimed at increasing access to retirement plans and retirement savings and streamlining administration and reporting. So that second half, I'm not sure mm. with all this legislation coming out so quickly, if that really will be the end goal, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> to be determined. Let's first talk about some of the big topics. So I think the, the number one headline um, and for those of you that most of our listeners, I think, are millennial, Gen X, um, you may not be thinking about retirement this week. You're thinking about retirement in the future. So you may not be familiar with this. But if you are a retiree, you may know that there's a required minimum distribution for most of your retirement accounts, your IRA, your 403B, your 401k, et cetera. There is a date and time in the future that will require you to start taking money out of your account. And there's a calculation based on the value of that account at the end of the previous year that tells you how much to take. For the years when you and I got into the business, Melissa, that number was age, that age was 70.5. Age that was 70 always so annoying to us. And a half. Why are we calculating <laughs> mid-year? Like what was the reasoning behind that? I don't know, but we don't have to worry about it anymore. That's true. So that number changed though. Um, it changed a few years ago and it changed to 72. But now we have it changing again. So tell me all the deets. What is it going to be now? Well, so the good news is if you earn 72 in 2022, this does not affect you. You started taking your RMDs last year and you will continue to do so as decided last year. If you have a birthday this year and you are turning 72, you do not need to take an RMD this year. You are now not required to take that minimum distribution until age 73. And then in 2033, it will be going up to age 75. What this means for you, again, the required minimum distribution is making you take out, even if you don't need to take the income from uh, traditional IRAs or traditional 401k plans, mainly so that the government can collect taxes on that, right? I mean, that's kind of yeah. tax revenue. That's that's really why they're doing it. So they're basically allowing you to not have to take as much income if you, say, have a pension or other sources of income in retirement that you're not needing to take that out. So that will just help you on taxable income, pushing that out a little bit further. This is really gonna be a benefit to the wealthiest people because for most of us, you retire, it's not likely that you're waiting till age 73 or 75 to stop working. Although there, we do have some clients that work, you know, into their seventies or even eighties, but for most of you, you start taking money out of your retirement plans when you retire. Um, there is a smaller portion though, of people that have excess reserves elsewhere, especially if you have a pension, which is more and more rare, or you just have a lot of taxable money. And in that case, you're going to have more control over when you decide to pay taxes, or perhaps you'll even be able to reduce the taxes you pay over time because of this rule. So it really is going to be most significant for the wealthiest people. Going forward, if you have a Roth component to your 401k plan through your company, you will not be required to take an RMD. And that starts in 2024. First of all, a Roth, that's money that you don't get a tax break on when you put it in, but you never have to pay taxes. We call that tax exempt. 
It's very attractive if you're in a higher tax bracket in the future. So for that Roth asset, um, in a 401k, you had a required distribution. In an IRA, you did not. And now that goes away. They become the same, which makes sense. Same treatment. And likely because they're sort of a newer thing in the last, I would say, decade, right? Um, It's probably not something that you know about yet. So (laughs) yeah, I didn't. I mean, I can't think of many Roth 401ks for people in RMDH that we had, but there are going to be more and more. And that probably fits in with some of the other portions of our discussion. Uh, One of them being... Many people may be familiar, especially if you're approaching age 50, that there's catch-up contributions that you can do. So if you've been maxing out, you need you want to increase it to 22500 That's up from 20500 in 2022. When you're over age 50, you get an additional catch-up contribution. Extra 7500 that you're allowed to put in a total for the year of 30000 One other big change with RMDs and one of our roles as financial advisors, what we do is make sure that clients that are in that age range where they need to take their RMDs, take them because the penalties are pretty steep. Prior to this legislation, it was 50% money that you don't take out that you're supposed to take out for your RMD. It's huge. So that's like, if you were supposed to take out 10,000, your penalty would be 5,000. On that's top a lot. Of the 10. Who wants yeah. to give the government 5,000 of your hard-earned retirement savings just because you forgot yeah. to take money out? Right. So that this is like a big change. And he's actually going down to 25% with, again, this is where things get a little cloudy in the legislation as to how this is going to work because they're not giving us an exact amount. If you catch it within a reasonable time frame that you didn't take it, that penalty will only be 10%, not 25. They have not defined, again, there needs to be more in the legislation around this defining exactly what a reasonable time period to catch it. The main idea here is that penalty is being reduced and still very important to make sure that you take that required minimum distribution, but a little less of a penalty if you forget it. Yeah. And to clarify, when we're saying we're going to watch and see, typically this comes from the IRS gives clarifications after legislation to say, oh, this is how they're interpreting this rule. Or, you know, there's a one small portion where it's not clear what the required minimum distribution age is for a very small subset of people, there will be a clarification at some point that says, hey, here's what we really meant. Typically from the IRS. Um, We know we've been talking about IRA and Roth already in this episode. And um, just for a brief review, a traditional IRA is money that you get a tax break on when you put the money in. Um, That could be your 401k or IRA contribution. And a Roth, whether it's 401k or um, 403b or Roth IRA, you don't get any tax break up front, but you that money grows tax-free. And when you need the money, you don't pay taxes to take it out. So interestingly, Congress likes Roths because they get the money right away. And they're always spending more than they're taking in. And so when they put Roth in front of something or they encourage Roth contributions, They're getting their money now versus later when a future Congress is handling things. So there's a lot of like Roth incentives in here or requirements. um, And that's all working to reduce the cost or have a way to pay for some of the other things in the legislation. I have a feeling at least that's a sentiment in political spectators. And I chuckled when I was reviewing for this and seeing what the point of the legislation was. I was like, Okay, so the point is to make it more accessible for people to save for retirement. But again, with the Roth 
changes, that does help the government a little bit now because they get more revenue currently versus when you retire. But that's right. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that is a big change when it comes to Roth is um, in the past, these catch-up contributions that you make at age 50 could be either Roth or traditional IRA catch-up contributions. However, for individuals earning more than 145000 you will now be only allowed to do the catch-up contributions in the Roth form. So that means pay taxes now on that extra. Interesting. And when we say over $145,000, they will be looking backwards at your income from the year before. And this rule goes into effect next year in 2024. Lots of numbers here. More important than ever to consult your individual case based on um, lots of things, your age, your income. Gosh, job security for financial planners, because this is a lot to keep track of. It's um, moving parts in terms of the taxes that you owe. It seems like it will not apply to those that are self-employed. So some advantages for self-employed people um, that you could still do a tax deferred catch up. But also later in life, you may owe less taxes because that, you know, things that are in Roth are not going to be taxable distributions in the future. So a lot of interesting components at play. And something worth mentioning, but again, we cannot hash out the details yet because they are not yet in place is you mentioned, Melissa, self-employed individuals, a lot of times for their retirement options, they will look at either a SEP or a simple IRA. There will now be a Roth SEP and a Roth simple option for self-employed individuals. However, you would be hard-pressed to find paperwork to start one of those plans since it did go into effect this year, 2023. Hold that thought. <laughs> By tax filing for 2023, there should be something in place. But for those self-employed individuals, we love Roth for the high-income individuals who to have that tax-free income in retirement and make a huge impact on your financial plan. So that is something new that we will, again, keep you up to date on as things develop. So this is where planning, because it's not just about your taxes this year, it's your taxes over time and also personal preference. Um, some people just want to minimize their tax today and the Roth option is not the best way to minimize current taxes, but they may be an advantage over time. Um, so all very interesting. Let's talk about some things that may apply to all of us. So not just distributions or not just, you know, out there. One of the changes is to automatic enrollment, right? Yeah. And so this does fit the idea behind the bill, which is is getting more people to save for retirement. That is the goal of the SECURE Act 2.0. A lot of times we see young people maybe don't enroll right away, right? They have the option yeah. of a plan at work. So that will be changing through this legislation where there's an automatic enrollment when employees are eligible for the retirement plan, starting at a contribution rate of at least 3%. This starts in 2025. That'll be good to encourage people, right? I mean, if you're automatically enrolled versus sometimes with these decisions to start up a retirement plan, it's just a question of making the phone call, right? <laughs> Finding out what paperwork you need, making the phone call, knowing that you're eligible. Some of these things, especially, I mean, myself included, even being in the financial industry, when you're in your 20s, these are not top of mind things. By making this legislation, the companies are automatically enrolling you. We all know in financial planning, the earlier you start saving, the better. So now we will have younger people enrolled is the hope, right? 
For sure. And there's another portion of retirement accounts that's going to be dedicated to emergency savings and accessible to people, which is brand new. I haven't seen that before. So sounds appealing for those people that just can never pull the cash together, your living paycheck to paycheck, this could actually receive an employer match. Again, we're going to get more details on how this is going to be administrated in plans, um, but it would be more like a Roth portion, but it would not be earmarked for retirement. It would be more earmarked towards emergency savings, and it would be limited to $2,500 annually. This would be a way for people to have money set aside that is not just for retirement. So if something comes up and you have an emergency and you don't have enough cash saved, that you'd be able to take this without penalty from your retirement plan. That'll be huge, not just for young people, for any anybody that really struggles to set aside emergency savings. So I really like that idea. And there's a lot of little ways where you can get access to funds without the 10% penalty that typically happens at, at before age 59 and a half. Um, there's been some specifics about public sector employees, especially those that are disabled. Um, there's a portion um, that you can access funds in retirement accounts if you're um, a domestic abuse survivor or um, and also or domestic violence. And there's also some um, easing up of rules for require retirement distribution distributions um, under a rule called 72T, which is a way to set up a legal um, access point prior to age 59 and a half. Um, So all of that's good news if you have an emergency. There's also some emergency relief if you are the victim of a flood or a natural disaster. Just of note, we're not going to go into the details of each one of those, but there's some loosening up of access to retirement reserves for people in need. Yes. And we will link some resources in the show notes so that if that does apply to you, you can find out more information as it's available. Student loans have been like in limbo. Nobody that has federal student loans has been required to be making payments since the beginning of COVID. Um, But I can assure you that those payments are likely coming back. Um, We've been told the last, last, last extension was the most recent one. (laughs) Final, final, maybe. (laughs) Um, but someday you're going to have to start paying your student loans. And there is some opportunity instead of getting a retirement match to get a student loan match. Is that the way it's it's kind of written? Exactly. So when an employer often um, matches your retirement savings amount. So now they're going to be able, starting in 2024, employers will be able to match employee student loan payments with those matching payments to a retirement account. So that gives you an extra incentive. And I will say, Melissa, that is one of the big questions we get from people of various ages is, should I be paying down loans or saving for retirement? So I think that's huge in that there's an incentive there. If you're the kind of person that feels like, okay, I really want to pay down this loan before I start contributing to my employer's plan, you're still going to be able to get that match and have it go towards your in retirement, which is great. I love that flexibility. I wouldn't say it's more straightforward. When we've listed all of these things, I mean, there's a lot... It's kind of a, you know, everything and the kitchen sink that's being thrown in there. So um, anything that we've missed, anything you want to add? I know there's more, but any highlights? So the 529 changes are of interest. Other than the question of should I pay down loans or save for my retirement? The next most popular is probably should I be saving for my children's college education or for my retirement? And I think this really helps to kind of ensure that if you do choose to save for your kids college education through a 529 plan, which again, we are big fans of, which works similar to a Roth in that you are 
getting tax-deferred growth and then tax-free withdrawals for qualified withdrawals. Now, in the terms of 529 plans, a qualified withdrawal is for secondary education. Um, So what this legislation changes is that you can roll 529 plan assets into a Roth IRA for the beneficiary. So there are limits and lifetime limits to this, but this is I think this is huge because a lot of times people hesitate, like, what if what if my kid gets a scholarship or what if they don't go to college and I earmark this money in a plan? Well, it sounds like, again, this is still getting cashed out. You would be able to roll that into either a Roth IRA for your children or many experts who have looked at this legislation say that you could change the beneficiary back to yourself or your spouse and roll that into a Roth IRA for them if you don't use all that money that you have saved uh, for college education in a 529. And I would uh, agree, Melissa, like the number one reason people push back is, oh, but I'm not sure they're going to get scholarships or maybe they'll never go to college, things like that. Or they're a really good hockey player. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever that reasoning for not saving for college, now there's not an excuse. And one of the advantages to a 529 when you're saving for your kids versus like an UTMA or UGMA account is that money doesn't automatically become theirs. So you put away money for your children in a 529 plan, it was protected that you can always change the beneficiary to to a sibling, to a grandchild, to a nephew or a niece. Some people were saying you can use it in retirement without a penalty if you were to become disabled. But now it's clear you're going to be able to use this money for retirement without a penalty. Again, there's going to be some more detail around how this happens. But as of now, there's a lifetime limit of 35000 per beneficiary that can be moved. And the 529 plan has to have been in place for 15 years. Those are the details you have on it. So there are- 15 years is a long time. So don't, when you're like, oh, well, I'm over the income limit. I'm just going to open a 529 for myself or somebody else and then flip it over to a Roth. No, not quite so much. And the reality is, you know, most people do end up using 529s to for their intended purpose to pay for college. So again, this may be most impactful to the wealthiest families. How I think the majority of our listeners and our clients are going to benefit from this, it's going to take away that hesitation of like, oh, do I earmark this money for college education? You know, what if we don't use it for college education? Well, that is now taken away. There are options for you to use that money for something else and take away some of that anxiety. I think sometimes people are like so concerned of like where they should save that it actually stops them from saving for either, right? So like, I don't know, should I do retirement or school for my kids? And then like neither of them, I think that will be just a, a good thing to kind of stop that hesitation when when people feel that way. Yes, I, I agree. There are so many little things that are put into this legislation. I say little, they can be a big deal for everybody, but nothing is a total game changer. You know, there's no pension for life, replacement for social security, anything like that. But there's so many little things and they're all pretty complex that I hope you appreciate, you know, the um, ability to kind of decipher. And we have links in the show notes so that you can see some more of the specifics. Um, but do know that with our financial planning, if we're someone who works with you, all of these changes have already been built into our financial planning software which is amazing over just two weeks time. And, you know, we're staying a pace of the rules. We always like to say, focus on what you can control, plan with the rules that we know now, and then we make adjustments and flexibility as those rules change. And so this is just more of that. Parts of this legislation really affect our listeners and our clients. So do follow 
pearlplan.com. There will be a blog on the SECURE Act and on some of those um, key points. So we will certainly continue to get information out to our listeners as it becomes available. And um, I do encourage you to reach out to either us or to your financial planner, your CPA, to get some more details on how this legislation will affect your personal financial plan. And a quick shout out, we are going to be talking on January 18th. You can find information on our website under the events tab. But at 2 p.m. on January 18th, we'll be discussing investment outlook, economic commentary. We'll probably have a little bit of info on the Secure Act 2.0 as well. But do listen in if you have questions on what's going on in markets, what's going on as an investor, because we've got all those details coming up. Yes. And I will link the registration for that webinar as well as February 8th. We have a retirement readiness webinar, which I know we will talk a little bit more about some of this legislation and how that changes your readiness for retirement as well. Melissa, it's so fun to be back in the room with you talking all the deets on the Secure Act 2.0 and just, you know, saying Happy New Year. So looking forward to collaborating more and thanks for all the work that you do to get this podcast out weekly with so many great episodes. Well, thank you. I always love recording with you, the original Melissa and Melissa. So we look forward to doing this again on future topics. And thank you as always for listening. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.